May the peace and joy of the Sabbath be with you all. Now, I know Sabbath joy may seem like an odd concept to many of you. After all, the Sabbath is a day of rest. Blue laws keep us from doing things we want to do on the Sabbath. It's easy to get into a huff and to miss the joy of this day completely. I hope, though, that in this brief time that we have today, uh, we'll be able to experience the joy of Sabbath just as certainly as experiencing the joy of bread freshly baked, warm and wonderful to hold, smell, and eat. In the late 1800s, Charles Dickens wrote about the Sabbath that he thought society should work to create. Not a fearful internal day where people stay home, but one where people have a chance to take in God's beautiful creation. As you listen to this uh, passage, close your eyes. Picture yourself in the scene. Feel free to replace the locations or Britishisms with ones you're familiar with. That's, that's okay. Charles Dickens writes, Here and there, as so early as six o'clock, a young man and woman in their best attire may be seen hurrying along on their way to the house of some acquaintance who is included in their scheme of pleasure for the day. From whence, after stopping to take a bit of breakfast, they sally forth, accompanied by several old people and a whole crowd of young ones, bearing large handbaskets full of provisions and belcher handkerchiefs done up in bundles with the neck of a bottle sticking out at the top and closely packed apples bulging out at the sides. And away they hurry along the streets leading to the steam packet wharfs, which are already plentifully sprinkled with parties bound for some destination. Their humor is a good humor and their delight knows no bounds, for it is a delightful morning, all blue overhead and nothing like a cloud in the whole sky. And even the air of the river at London Bridge is something to them, shut up as they have been all the week in close streets and heated rooms. Away they go, joking and laughing and eating and drinking and admiring everything they see and pleased with everything they hear to climb Windmill Hill and catch a glimpse of the rich cornfields and beautiful orchards of Kent, or to stroll among the fine old trees of Greenwich Park and to survey the wonders of Shooter's Hill and Lady James Folly, or to glide past the beautiful meadows of Twickenham and Richmond and to gaze with a delight which only people like them can know on every lovely object in the fair prospect around. Boat follows boat and coach succeeds coach for the next three hours, but all are filled and all with the same kind of people, neat and clean, cheerful and contented. Can you picture how beautiful such a scene would have been to industrial era Londoners? who rarely saw wildlife other than a pigeon, or a color other than black, gray, or brown. That joy of taking the time to fully appreciate creation is a big part of the Sabbath tradition. A time when no one in your household was permitted to work, not even your animals. 
which meant that everyone had a chance to rest, to study, to wander, and to appreciate the world and each other. I like to imagine that the stroll that Jesus and his disciples were on in our gospel reading today was like this. You can just picture them walking along and taking in the sights of the Holy Land, walking through fields and admiring God's creation as they go, making a way through the fields, to be precise. That is, they were clearing a path for Jesus to walk through. This is one of the times that the disciples are leading in front of Jesus instead of following behind. That's all that Mark tells us about their activity directly. He's much more sparse in detail than Dickens is. But we can still picture it clearly. As they walk through the field, they're gathering the grain heads and eating them, having a snack with their Sorkin-esque walk and talk. Now, you may recall that traditionally none of the disciples are farmers. So whose field exactly are they walking through and eating its crop as they go? Do they have permission to be there? Well, according to Jewish law, they have permission to gather what they can to eat themselves there, as long as they're not using a sickle or carrying away more than they can eat at that time. This was a provision intended to help people who were poor, who were unable to feed themselves any other way. At the very least, they could glean from the fields what they could. So here we have at least 13 guys walking through a field, breaking down grain stalks and eating the heads as they go. But wait, there are others there too. At least a group of Pharisees and probably many more unnamed followers who are hoping to learn from this strange and wonderful teacher, Jesus Christ. That's a lot of people taking grain from the field as they go through and Mark's use of making a way through the field kind of obscures just how many people are moving through. Fortunately, though, this field is big. There is plenty to go around. After all, these particular Pharisees do not accuse Jesus and his followers of eating more than their share or of badly affecting the farmer or landowner through whose field they are walking. Instead, some of their group accuse them of breaking Sabbath law by doing work on the Sabbath. They happen to be taking an absolutely strict reading of the text and its long tradition and commentary. Now, many of the people in Jesus' day saw the strictest possible reading as the best reading because they assumed that the strictest possible reading was the most righteous, the best, most righteous way of understanding. Those who follow this idea will fall ever further down the rabbit hole of stricter and stricter interpretation and restriction. Honestly, this is a habit we see a lot of today, too. In more narrowly reading a text, we too often start to miss its intent, its original intent. So what was the intent of the Sabbath laws? Well, these laws are intended to help fulfill the fourth commandment, which in Deuteronomy reads like this, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your children, your servants, your animals, and any foreigners living among you. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out. That is why you are to rest 
on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath, you see, is intended to be a celebration of rest, a joyful time of freedom for everyone, from the greatest to the least. It's a day of equality, even for the beasts of burden. These days, Christians have taken to celebrating Sunday, Sabbath, while Jews welcome the Sabbath on Friday night through sundown Saturday. And many Muslims, especially in Indonesia, recognize a Friday day Sabbath. Others recognize Sabbath on a rotating basis or don't take a rest at all. It can cause health problems to not have a time of rest. Indeed, in observing a day of rest, we not only honor God, but keep ourselves healthy and connected to each other and our community. Be mindful of those who must work on their chosen Sabbath, not just church workers, but restaurateurs, grocery workers, military women and men, and so on. I encourage you to pray that they too have a chance to rest for both their physical and spiritual sake. Let's get back to our text today. With some of the Pharisees accusing Jesus of breaking Sabbath laws, how does he respond? He reminds them of the story of David on the run from Saul, who breaks holy law in order to feed himself and his band of rebels. The story Jesus is, that Jesus references from 1 Samuel 21 tells of David entering a, ta- a temple at Nob and asking for help. He lied to the priest, telling him he was on a secret mission when he was really fleeing for his life. But the priest, seeing his need, found a way to bend the rules and feed them using the bread of presence. Now, this bread of presence, or showbread, shoebread, as it's sometimes called in the King James, uh, was special, holy, baked fresh during the day before the Sabbath, suffusing the temple with its freshly baked aroma. Each loaf used just over three pounds of flour, and 12 of these loaves were baked each week. They are placed on a table, and when new loaves are baked the following week, the old loaves are distributed to the priests. Maybe weak old bread, but it is still tasty after that week. Now, it appears that on this particular day, when David comes knocking at the temple, the only bread available was the holy bread of presence. The older bread had already been distributed to the priests to eat. Yet the priest distributes this holy bread, commanded by Mosaic law to remain before God for seven days, to David and his people. He asks them about their ritual purity and accepts David's answer that they are indeed ritually clean and gives them as much as five loaves of the holy bread to eat and sustain themselves. For the priest, this is a joy provide for the needs of others. The name of this temple's location, Nob, derives from the Hebrew for bubbling over or pouring forth, like someone filled with exciting news to share, or someone who has so much bread that they can offer bread to others. Even if you wanted to read this as the priest giving them his portion of the bread, a very generous reading, the amount offered is staggering. Their human need takes priority over the usual reading of the law, showing God's care for the poor and the hungry. 
listen to these words from William Barclay. The first claim on any person is the claim of human need. People matter far more than systems. Persons are far more important than rituals. The best way to worship God is to help people. By pointing out the story of David to the Pharisees who challenged him, Jesus is showing that even the Bible itself shows the need for compassion and flexibility in celebrating the Sabbath. Moreover, he says, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. He is showing how to honor the Sabbath by caring for others, just as the Sabbath was originally intended to offer care and rest to everyone. You see, it was legal, then and now, to save lives, to defend yourself, to feed your animals, and to assist in childbirth on the Sabbath. Jesus showed that these exceptions extended to cover meeting the needs of human people. Of meeting the needs of those who are hungry, those who need shelter, those who need support and healing, healing from disease and chronic conditions. David bent the law and broke holy bread with the blessing of the priest. Jesus showed the law as needing to support humanity and became the holy bread which we break. The holy bread which we break at the communion table. In this breaking of bread, we find part of the joy of Sabbath, that we are called to eat and drink with the saving Lord and to find our rest in him, who rejoiced at creation just as we still may do. May you find joy in God's presence in you and all of creation. May Christ lead you to be merciful and show love for all of God's children. May the Holy Spirit inspire you to new heights of understanding and depths of knowledge of God's actions in the world. In all you say, do, or are, may you delight in the holy bread of Sabbath joy. Amen.